What does Proverbs 31 have to do with your home finances? Keep listening to find out. The Catholic Money Summit presented by WalletWin is coming up very soon. Get your free ticket to this online event at catholicmoneysummit.com. The price of the all-access pass increases on June 1st, so hop on over and sign up now. All proceeds from the all-access passes support our next adoption. That's catholicmoneysummit.com or click the link in the show notes. Speaking of summits, talks from the Catholic Mom Summit are now available on form.org. And to commemorate the release, we're sharing the audio of Amanda's talk, A Proverbs 31 Guide to Family Finances, here on the podcast. Check out the rest of the talks on formed.org today. All right, take it away, honey. Hello, Catholic moms. My name is Amanda Texera. I am co-founder of WalletWin alongside my husband, Jonathan. And together, we help Catholic families create a plan for their money so they can get out of debt, build wealth, and change the world through generosity. And you might have guessed it. In today's talk, we are going to be talking about moolah, but maybe not in the way that you would think. Now, if I started this talk off by telling you that part of your vocation as a Catholic wife and mom was to be your family's chief financial officer, a.k.a. the CFO, I would probably lose a lot of you right away. <laughs> You'd think, boring. Why would I want to talk about that? That's about as entertaining as watching paint dry. But what if I rephrase it and I say... Instead, this talk is going to be about your God-given responsibility over your family's finances and that your acceptance or rejection of this responsibility will be the difference maker between your family thriving and merely surviving financially. Now, when I say it that way, I'm guessing I got somebody's attention. So let's dive in. Today, I am going to be sharing with you a passage from scripture. It's in Proverbs 31. And while this was written a long time ago, it's still highly relevant for us wives and moms today. Now, there is a lot of things I could unpack in this passage, literally like dozens of things. We could be here the whole weekend. Uh, the whole conference could be just about Proverbs 31, but we got 20 minutes here. So I'm going to dig out the most important and actionable items for you that you can take away and immediately begin implementing and working on so you can get some big results in your family. But the main point that I want you to walk away from this session today is that God wants to be intimately involved in your personal finances, and he has called you specifically as a Catholic wife and mother to have your finger on the pulse of the money in your home. I didn't say earning money, so don't don't mishear me. I didn't say you need to be the one crunching all the numbers all the time. I didn't say either of those things. You can do both. You might not be the one doing either of those. But as women, at the heart and center of our families, our job is to be our fingers on the pulse of our family's finances. It's truly part of our feminine genius that at the center being the heart of the homes, our brains are wired in a way that we just 
happen to know kind of what's going on in our families a little bit more easily than our husbands. Is that true or is that true? (laughs) In our family, it's definitely true. And in so many women's families, it's the same. And because money touches everything, we as women, we are oftentimes the first one, the first defender, if you will, to see financial needs arise as we go ahead and put in a grocery order or we anticipate the kids growing out of their clothes already um, or we're getting some kiddos signed up for a taekwondo class. All of these things have financial components to them. And because we're managing and we have on our minds, all of the different tasks happening in our family at any given moment, we are also going to be the ones that are going to be aware of kind of those financial price tags and the red flags or the yellow flags or the green flags that arise with those financial situations um, and the needs that come up. And because of that unique placement in our families, with some intentionality and learning both what God says about money Combined with some practical tools, we can take steps to ensure financial peace in our families so that we're always ready to say yes to God's will in our lives and not be left limiting our yeses because of money. Now, before I dive into Proverbs 31 and we begin unpacking that, I want to share with you two types of women I meet when they are not inviting God into their financial habits. And they they might be practicing Catholic women. They just have never brought God into this aspect of their life. Most of us didn't grow up learning about money, even if we came from faithful Catholic families. Money has been a taboo subject for as long as humanities existed. And so there's been a lot of um, reservations about communicating about it. And so a lot of us just never learned how to handle it let alone how to talk about it. Um, And through no fault of our own, we've developed and fallen into certain financial habits created by the culture and not necessarily what God has to say about money. Again, if you weren't taught how, there's no fault, but you can unlearn some of these sabotaging habits. And when I meet women uh, who are being primarily informed and shaped in their money views by the culture, they're usually going to fall into one of these two camps. The first one, and you know what? Sometimes I like to give names to these personas (laughs) just because it makes it a little bit more fun. But we'll call this first gal Avoidant Amber. So Avoidant Amber, she's got her head in the sand about money. She knows she's got some debt, but she doesn't want to know the numbers. She knows there's money in her bank account, but Other than like, is there enough to just make this purchase? Like she doesn't really want to know the details. Uh, She's sparring with her spouse about debt, about emergencies that might pop up or perceived emergencies um, that might pop up. She's spending to cope with pain, stress, anxiety, or fatigue because spending, she doesn't know it, but it releases dopamine in our brains, making us happier. So this might manifest as impulse shopping at Target. This might be, I'm grabbing Starbucks treats because the kids were a lot to handle today and I deserve it. She's making major purchases without her spouse's knowledge. And then only after the fact, after committing to something, is now her spouse being brought into it. Or worse, he's only finding out by seeing it on a credit card or a bank statement. 
She's charging things on a credit card when she knows she doesn't have the money to pay for it for one reason or another. So avoidant Amber is kind of uh, doing everything she can to distance herself from really having to deal with uh, the emotions that money brings out, maybe emotions in general in life. And she's not been taught how to have a great relationship with money. And so she's just keeping it at an arm's length. And she knows she's not happy with the results that are happening in her life, but she doesn't really know what to do differently. All right. On the flip side, though, I've met women who are very financially savvy, but they haven't brought God into that equation either. And I like to call this gal accomplished Ashley. So we're going to go with the A themes here today. Um, excuse my language when I say this, but there is a circle of women out there um, who have subscribed to what's called the rich bitch mentality, using money and possessions to provide themselves status and power as kind of an identity, as um, a way to project themselves to the world, to show everybody how smart they are. There's definitely a circle of women out there who would fall into this and they pride themselves on this being their identity. They um, might have accomplished Ashley might have divisive financial attitudes in her marriage um, because she's being encouraged to save and invest in accounts separate away from her spouse just in case uh, keeping money separate because it's smarter that way. She might be taking advantage of financially smart strategies, but not for the greater good of her family, her community, or her world, but creating wealth simply for wealth's sake so she can live a life of ease and indulgence and luxury. And I guess I want to have a side note here. It's not bad to have nice things. It's not bad to enjoy some nice things in life. But again, there is a huge difference in the Catholic perspective of enjoying things um, that God has given us that point us to him and simply just creating wealth and indulging in luxury for luxury's sake, things that point us to the earth, if that makes sense. There's a big, big difference there, and it really comes down to the heart um, and how we can approach things, But and we're going to dive into that with the Proverbs 31 woman, but... Um, this example accomplished Ashley. I got tied up in my A's there. She would be, it's all about right here. It's all about right now. It's about the stuff and the power and the things that money represents here and now um, and not giving and glorifying God with that, if that makes sense. So we know we don't want to be avoidant, Amber. We know we don't want to be uh, accomplished, Ashley. We want to be the Proverbs 31 woman, and I'm going to call her Attentive Anne. Anne, because St. Anne was the Blessed Mother's uh, name, and so we're going with Anne. All right, I'm going to read Proverbs 31, and then we're going to begin to break down some of these components. All right, it's a long one, so hang with me, but it's so, so, so good. Uh, Proverbs 31, we're going to read verses 10 through 31. I've got it pulled up here. A good wife who can find, she is more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant, 
She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and tasks for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow, for her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes herself coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers girdles to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. Woo! Again, there is just so much to unpack there. You could probably spend a year having a personal retreat on just the content in there. It's very convicting. I could pull off um, talks about running a business, having a morning routine, her investment strategy, uh, buying real estate because she bought a field, monetizing her talents. But you know what? We're not going to get into all of that because, again, it could take up a book, a conference, a year. <laughs> We're going to just highlight three characteristics that she had. One, being on the same page with her spouse in regards to money. Number two, budgeting. And number three, giving. So let's dive deeper into who Attentive Anne or this Proverbs 31 woman is and how she brought God into her financial affairs. All right, so first up, we're going to chat about her being on the same page as her spouse. In verses 11 and 12, it states, The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So attentive Anne, she can be trusted with money, with the debit card and the savings accounts. She's got full access. Her husband has full access. She's not moved by emotion to make impulse purchases that weren't planned for with her spouse. She doesn't go shopping off schedule or play this payback game with the household's money. She's not using money as therapy because she's had a rough day and feels like she deserves it. Her husband doesn't have to be afraid of how much damage she's going to do on Amazon or at Costco. He trusts her. Whatever choices she makes will be wise because she and her husband are on the same page and they are one front when it comes to money. And oftentimes we meet Catholic spouses that have not gotten on the same financial page. Again, not because they just didn't want to, because they were never taught. This is a hard thing. When you get married, you're merging 
so many um, personal belief systems and habits and uh, routines, and you're trying to forge your way forward into making one. But because money touches everything in our lives, if we don't get this one right, right out the gate, there's going to be fights, there will be resentments, there will be nipping and picking at one another. They might be shaming, there might be blaming. And you need to get on the same page with your spouse. Maybe you're the reluctant spouse. And if that's you, it's okay. Name the reasons you've been reluctant. Come to the table and try again. Maybe it's your spouse who's reluctant. Oftentimes we have found typically women are more ready and willing to take action on figuring out their money so they can have a more peaceful family life. And it's the their husbands that struggle to say, yeah, we do need to do something different because there's pressure on them to feel like they aren't providing um, or that it's they've failed in some way if they're not getting X, Y, or Z result. And so coming to the table and just saying, you know what, all of that doesn't matter. It's right here, right now. Let's get on the same page from here moving forward. And here's a successful way to do it. We found most often... Um, this is a way that we'll get spouses right on the same page and out the gate, implementing whatever that next best financial goal is together. Instead of, you know, making the error of like I did early in my marriage, going after my husband and barking at him because he had student loan debt, he had this, he had this, and get with the program and bark, 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 bark. That didn't work. This method that I'm going to share with you this is the easiest path to getting on the same financial page. And I highly recommend you and your spouse sitting down, having a money date. Maybe you go to a coffee shop somewhere public so you can't get into a fight <laughs> and get your favorite drinks and sit down and have this conversation. So first things first, go over your backgrounds. What have you brought to the marriage up to this point? You know, how is money talked about in your household growing up? What were attitudes around spending? What was money supposed to be spent on? What um, financial memories did you have growing up? Were there some negative ones? Uh, unpack that with with one another. It might feel a little bit vulnerable, but you you, you got to go there together. Um, get that vulnerability out there. You might be coming to the table with different financial personalities. One of you might be that classic saver. And you just, if somebody slipped a $100 bill in your pocket, you might have it a year later because you just didn't think of anything to spend it on. Whereas you might be married to somebody where that $100 bill is burning a hole in their pocket and they have spent it by noon. And so you might just be coming at it from almost polar opposite ends of the table. Maybe you're both the same, but you might be coming at it from a different place. Um, discussing your biggest financial wins that you had, uh, maybe up coming into marriage, also your biggest financial disappointments before you came into marriage. And then don't be afraid to own up to and acknowledge the ones that have come since you've been married. If you've been married for a number of years, uh, just being able to take ownership over some of those big wins, but also those big losses, or maybe times that you... Uh, you know you messed up or you wish the other person would have gotten more involved in something. Have that conversation. Again, without blaming or shaming, but coming together to just 
have that initial conversation that is very vulnerable, but oh so necessary because once everything's out there, you can begin to build the foundation. Um, and you don't want anything getting in the way of that. So after you've had those initial hard conversations, um, you are next going to do some dreaming together. So you might do a dream board activity. Maybe it's just a piece of paper and you're just sitting down and you're spouting off things together. But think about where you want to be in the next one year. Then go with three to five years. Then talk about 10 years. Then talk about 50 years. Again, don't start with 50 because it'll be so overwhelming you'll, you'll quit. But if you start with that just a year out, what are some tangible things that you want to see happen in your family. And a lot of times there's going to be a financial component to some of these dreams. So maybe for you, it's, I want to be debt free a year from today. Wow. Okay. So do I. And both of the spouses can come together around that or rally around it. Or, Hey, three years from now, we want to buy our first home. And that is something that excites both of you. There might be some things on there that only one of you is passionate about at this given moment and maybe not both of you, but there's going to be plenty of things that you're both uber passionate about and you both absolutely want to be part of your future. And those are the things that then you can say, okay, we have these shared dreams. Let's figure out how to get there, how to craft a plan that's going to get us there. And now that you're so crystal clear about where it is that you want to go as a family, uh, it's going to be a whole lot easier to, to just get on the same page now and to begin forging a a unified path forward. So uh, you don't want to bring anybody dragging their feet towards their dreams and goals. But again, if both spouses are contributing and they're both bought in and they're both excited about what that future looks like, it's going to be so easy to just get on the same page. So once you are on the same page, attentive Anne, you've gotten on the same page as your spouse. The second thing that you move into now is the skill of budgeting. In uh, Proverbs 31, there's a few verses that kind of touch on this. Verse 15, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and tasks for her maidens. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. And verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Attentive Anne plans and she budgets. Every dollar has an assignment and every dollar is put to work on a task. It takes more time to plan, but she does it with her husband. She's sitting down and allocating the household's resources according to their plan, starting with their household first and then going outward. And we re must remember, too, that she's got these maidens uh, that are paid to help her run her household and her business. These are people that work for her. She's enlisted them to help her to ensure that everything is well taken care of. She's budgeted for help because she knows she can't do it alone. And if she didn't have the budget, she might not have noticed how much help that she needed. Um, and. So I want to dive into talking about this skill of budgeting. I know that the word budget, it's been proven statistically that sometimes it has this reaction in our brains that feels like I just said the word diet. And it sounds like a financial juice cleanse, that it's painful. But really, 
A budget is not a straitjacket. It's a spending plan. Life without a budget is life wondering where your money went, what happened to it, opening the, you know, debit card statement and just seeing Target, Amazon, Walmarting yourself to death and you don't know what happened to it. But life with a budget is intentionally spending your money in a way that aligns with those values and those priorities that you laid out with your spouse in that particular moment. Living with a budget, not on a budget, I think is important vernacular that we as women need to make a shift. I oftentimes will meet someone and, you know, hey, do you guys want to go do this thing? And they'll say something like, I wish I could, but I'm on a budget, uh, like with a big eye roll. But I think what that communicates is victim. And instead saying, no, you know what? I didn't budget it for it this month, but you know what? I'll make sure to include it next month. And that's living with a budget. That's empowerment. Your money's not telling you all the things you don't get to do. Your money is helping you get to do the things you most want to do. So every month that we have during the given year uh, changes and is different. And we encourage people to budget on a monthly basis basis because it just makes things so much simpler and easier. You can budget every paycheck, but there's just going to be some finagling and there's another layer of difficulty there. So if you can get to this once a month budget, that is what we recommend. So again, since every month changes at the start of every month, you're going to sit down and you're going to think about the income that you have, whether it's money you've got right now, or you know, your paychecks are pretty stable and you know what you're going to receive that month. You're sitting down with that amount. And you're going to be projecting out. You're going to look like the Proverbs 31 woman. You're going to look down the pike and kind of see what's going on. Okay, we've got three birthdays this month. We've got Christmas. All right, I'm going to have to rearrange things so that, you know, the money is prioritized around those things that matter most to us. Whereas other months, maybe it's, okay, we're going to go on a road trip because it's the summer and we always do that. Um or it's our anniversary and we're going to go out on a special date. Again, you're never going to create one budget that's just going to magically be perfect for the rest of your life. It's a skill that you're going to have to utilize every single month and it's going to shift um, to, to reflect your next best financial goals and your values and priorities at this given moment right here, right now. Okay, so you've got your money. You've looked down the pike. You know what's coming your way. You are now going to give every single dollar a job. And I mean every single dollar. Personally, we use a budgeting app called YNAB. You need a budget. Um, And so what that might look like is, you know, let's say $4,000 was going to be what I project to have that month. I pop it into the app. And now I've got various categories um, that represent the different spending that we do in our household. So maybe bills, those are kind of those set things that happen every single month, your mortgage or your rent, the water, um, the heating, the trash, the cell phone, yada, yada, yada. Those things are pretty predictable. Then you've got some more of those lifestyle, everyday spending categories like groceries, buying clothes for people, uh, putting gas in the car, etc. a little more variable. You're going to create a few different kind of these master categories and then a few more very specific things underneath them. But again, you're not going to go so specific that you overwhelm yourself. Um, so if you, let's say you needed to buy, 
food for your parrot, your cat, your hamster, and your dog. You are not going to have four different budget categories for each of those animals. And if you have that many animals, God bless you, because <laughs> that would be a busy house. Um, but you're just going to have pet food. So if there is a logical way to bring things together to not have 40,000 categories, do it, right? Make your life a little bit simpler. Um, but you also don't want to lump everything. And I, I, I know that on the other side of that, everybody tends to lump everything into groceries, diapers, toilet paper, shampoo, deodorant, razors. It all happened in groceries. And then that can get crazy too. So um, simply just kind of find the common denominator and create some categories. Now you're taking that $4,000 and you're distributing it throughout the various columns. You will be funding your priorities first. You got to have a roof over your head and food in your belly before you're going to be going on a trip to the movies, for example, or a vacation. Now, if there's leftover money after funding the basics, you could go ahead and now fund into those things that are not needs. They're more of the wants. Um, and then maybe any extra money is going to help you make progress on whatever that next best financial goal is for you. Maybe it's getting some savings established. Maybe it's getting out of debt. Maybe it's saving for a new to you vehicle. I don't know what it is, but extra money could then get a job to go be hard at work for you on that goal. At the end, you want to have that $4,000 at the top minus all the money you've distributed in your categories should equal zero. You don't want to have any dollars blowing in the wind, nothing left to chance. All the buckaroos have a job and they are going to be hard at work for you that month. Now, as the month goes on, you're going to be consulting your budget to inform you as you're making, uh, as you're spending, as you're making purchases, you're going to be entering it into the app unless it's syncing with your bank account. If it is, then you're going to go in probably once a week and just reconcile things. And this process is now wash, rinse, repeat. Every single month, this is going to be the primary way that you know you and your spouse stay on the same page and are making consistent progress towards those shared dreams and goals that you both have for your marriage. Um, so that is budgeting. And so number three, we talked about uh, getting on the same financial page. We talked about budgeting. Number three, the third attribute we are going to highlight from the Proverbs 31 woman, attentive Anne, is her heart for giving. In verse 20 in Proverbs 31, it says, she opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. Attentive Anne is generous in her giving. Not only does she care for her family, but she's giving back to her community and her world by taking care of the poor and the needy. She understands that all of her money belongs to God, 100% of it, not just 10%, like some people might suggest. To be able to be generous in return is a reflection of the reality that money is ultimately a gift from God and that it's all his and she is merely a manager and an owner. It's never too early to build this muscle of generosity because it's just that. It's a muscle. If you don't use it, it atrophies and dies. And financially speaking, if you are not generous when you don't have much, when you have a small income and maybe some debt, you're not going to be generous when you have more. And while as Catholics, 
we're not bound by the Old Testament law of tithing or giving a tenth. We personally like to see that as the starting line that we can always go up from because ultimately at the end of the day, you can never outdo God in generosity. And ultimately, attentive Anne knew this, the most fun that you or I or she could ever have with money is by giving it and being a blessing to not only ourselves, our families, our communities, but the world. And God entrusts us with money to be a blessing for our families and for the world. And so building in this plan of generosity is so important to having a healthy financial mindset. And ultimately, by prioritizing giving and saying, that's one of the first things that I want to do with my money that I receive from God, you're now going to have to back up the equation because you know that, okay, I'm giving first, I'm prioritizing that, and it's going to help you to decide, okay, I'm going to, I want to be more intentional in all these other areas of my life uh, with my finances, in getting on the same page with my husband, in uh, creating a budget, in establishing some savings, in getting out of debt, in figuring out a way to invest for the future. Um, prioritizing giving will trickle down and be a blessing to you too. It not only is a blessing for other people, but it will be a blessing to you again you can never outdo God in generosity. And as I wrap up, I just want to again recap about what we chatted about practically so you can plan those next steps for you. God, he wants to be intimately involved in your finances and he's placed you, you at the very heart of your home and he's given you a unique responsibility to lead your family to financial peace. Some immediate, very concrete steps that you can do is to get on the same financial page as your spouse, begin budgeting, and then prioritize giving. Even if you're at the very beginning stages, if you're down the line farther, it's never too late to prioritize giving, but build that into your financial plan now. God's given you that unique responsibility over your family's finances. He's given you that ability to have your finger on the pulse so that you can be the difference maker between your family thriving and your family merely surviving financially. You can do this, and God is ready to bless your efforts as you take steps to honor him with your money. And if you'd like more support as you get going, I'm offering a 14-day trial inside our Wallet Win Academy for anybody who's part of this Catholic Mom Summit. So if you are ready to just dive in you know you want to get started with the budgeting, but you want the A to Z system. You want to figure out how to manage your money, and you're going to do it now. And you're ready to be surrounded by a community that's doing the same. Go ahead, head to the link below, walletwin.com slash catholicmoms, and you can grab your 14-day trial inside Walletwin Academy. Inside there, you're going to gain access to our eight-module online financial foundations course that, again, is going to teach you the A to Z for winning with money and handling it according to God. You're also going to get access to our Wallet Winners online community. We do live Q&As every single week. You can join us inside of that exclusive Facebook group and get your burning questions answered and get support from like-minded friends and even my husband and I as we uh, take questions every single week. We also give away prizes. We have challenges and we just like to have a lot of fun in general as we chit chat about money. So 
Hop on over to wallowin.com slash Catholic Moms and start your 14-day trial now. Thank you again for joining me in this session. I will be praying for you as you embark on these next steps in managing your family's finances. If you'd like to keep in touch, I'd love to hear from you. I am over on Instagram at WalletWin. Uh, so pop on over there. Give me a follow. Hit me up in the DMs. Let me know what stood out to you today in this session. And I would love to support you on your financial freedom journey. God bless. Thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about this show and the Wallowin program at wallowin.com. Music in this episode's from Dylan Gardner. Listen to his new album, Almost Real, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. See you next week. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.